Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. Defense or just bad basketball in Milwaukee? Does a college football playoff expansion hurt schools like Notre Dame? Plus, what can Major League Baseball actually do about pitchers using sticky stuff? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Game three between the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks slated for Milwaukee and somehow a rock fight broke out. Adam Armbrecht from Locked On Nets. Uh, this was an ugly basketball game. Neither team uh, able to break the 40% mark shooting. Neither team able to break the 25% mark from deep. This was an ugly basketball game that the Milwaukee Bucks won 86-83. A Drew Holiday go-ahead bucket late lifted the Bucks. And Adam, what happened to, let's let's just start with Brooklyn's offense in this game. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a 1998 style, you know, playoff <laughs> basketball. What more do what more do people want out of this thing? Pat Riley. Have, yeah, just because you have be of superstar talent that are known to hit 50 percent from the field, you know, in their sleep. I think you know it's funny because you come out of this game, and if it was one sided, if it had been a blowout for Milwaukee, maybe that would have resonated or landed differently. But this just felt like a collective. Hey. This is going to be an off night. And when you look at the sequences and you look at the shots for Kevin Durant, starts the first half two of 10, ends up finishing 11 of 28. But go look at the go look at the, at the, at the shots. They're good. They're good looks. They go down more often than not. And I hate to use the cliche of sometimes the shots don't fall, but that really just feels like what this game was from a Brooklyn Nets standpoint. And you can look at Kyrie Irving's line as well. Both of the superstars just had off games and – as much as we don't want to think it, it does happen. Yeah, and and I think that's the big question if you're trying to project forward, right? The Bucks got, uh, I wouldn't say terrific performance from Giannis. He was 14 of 31, but did have 33 and 14. They got the Chris Middleton breakout game. He had 35 points and 15 rebounds. The rest of the team was, was pretty bad. Their two best players came to play, and Brooklyn did not have that same experience. So instead, we got you know, Knicks Pacers from, you know, the Pat Riley era Knicks. (laughs) How much of what we saw from the Nets best players from KD, who who goes 11 for 28, um, Kyrie Irving, nine for 22, was some adjustments from the Bucks defense? Because to me, it looked like at the very least, they were playing harder defensively and had some better answers for what the Nets were trying to do. Yeah, I mean, you you can say that you know credit to the Bucks. They they came out ready to play in a must win situation for themselves. So you have to tip your hat to them in that regard. But there wasn't anything new. You know, Bud ran out the same starting lineup. You can get to some of the some of the other role players. You know, Portis gets used a little bit more. The foul troubles for a lot of the role guys for the Nets, like Blake Griffin. So you're able to kind of flex between Brooke Lopez, and that helps you when you get on smaller matchups with Bruce Brown coming inside. So some of those. You know, subplots get a little bit shuffled, but again, no, it's all, it was all the same looks, <laughs> all, all the same process happened. And, you know, Doug, Doug Norrie and I just talked about this in a greater length. The beauty of it is the Bucks are probably walking out of this thing feeling good. You got away with a victory in game three that you needed to have. The Nets should be coming out of it saying if they're, they're not looking to make any adjustments over there. Guess what? Neither are we. 
because we have two game sample size that tells us we can come right back and do this. And I'll throw that thing down a thousand times. And I bet the odds are pretty good that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are not going to both combine for that type of shooting line in the same game again. Locked on today is brought to you a partnership with Odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, your new home for music, news, sports, and podcasts. Download the Odyssey app today. Coming up, does a college football playoff expansion hurt schools like Notre Dame? That's next. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Clippers and Jazz managed more offense in the nightcap last night, and Donovan Mitchell has been on an unbelievable run for Utah. The Utah Jazz lead the L.A. Clippers two games to none in the second round after a 117-111 win. David Locke of Locked On Jazz. Without All-Star Mike Conley, the Jazz have jumped out to a two-game lead over the L.A. Clippers. Donovan Mitchell started brilliantly and finished with 37 points, but Joe Ingles filling in for Mike Conley as the second ball handler, running the pick and roll beautifully late in the game, and then hitting a huge three, busting out of a shooting slump, gave the Jazz the victory. 19 points for the Jazz, who led this game by 21 points, and then fell behind in the fourth quarter, though only trailed this game for 11 seconds at any point. Reggie Jackson for the Clippers was the X factor, but the Jazz brilliant shooting overall, 56% from the field, and 23 pointers they made was the difference. The Jazz lead the Clippers two games to none. Giselle Juarez was the star pitcher Oklahoma needed to complement its high-powered offense, and now the Sooners are national champions again. Juarez threw her second consecutive complete game, and Oklahoma beat Florida State 5-1 on Thursday night for its fifth Women's College World Series title. It wasn't easy for the top-seeded Sooners. They came out of the loser's bracket after dropping a stunner to unseated James Madison in the tournament's opening game. But Oklahoma beat James Madison twice in the semifinal round, then recovered from a loss to Florida State in the championship series opener. Viva Las Vegas. Yes, Vegas lives. Vegas is moving on. The Golden Knights come out of the series against the Colorado Avalanche with four straight wins after being down 2-0. Vegas becomes the first NHL team to win seven playoff series in their first four years. They'll face Montreal in the Stanley Cup semifinals. The Kansas City Chiefs are hopeful guard Kyle Long can return for the start of the regular season after he injured his knee Wednesday. Coach Andy Reid revealed Thursday that Long's injury was to the knee and that the Chiefs are still evaluating that injury but didn't think he suffered ligament damage. Long tweeted, I did everything I could to prepare to get back for football. Zero regrets. I've been getting better every day and having so much fun with my new team. Focusing on controlling the things I can control. Yesterday was not one of those things. Thanks for the well wishes. That's what happened last night. Here's what to look for this weekend on betonline.ag. The Philadelphia 76ers and Atlanta Hawks are tied at one game apiece as the series shifts to Atlanta. The betonline.ag line for this game is Philly giving just a point. The Denver Nuggets have yet to get on the board in their series with the Phoenix Suns. Game three tonight in Denver. And the betonline.ag line for that game is Denver giving half a point. On Sunday, the Milwaukee Bucks will get a chance to even the series with the Brooklyn Nets. The betonline.ag line for that is Brooklyn giving two. For all your NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoff, MLB, golf odds, MMA, boxing, whatever it is, betonline.ag has you covered. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. Betonline, 
your online sportsbook experts. Here is another story you need to know. When it comes to college football, if four is good, 12 is better. A new proposal would expand the college football playoff from four teams all the way to 12. The problem for a program like Notre Dame, the top four seeds would all get buys and they would be conference winners, the highest ranked conference winners, which means Notre Dame could never be a top four seed. Joining me now from Locked On ACC and Locked On Tar Heels, Candace Cooper. And Candace, Notre Dame may be hoping that they can extend their stay in the ACC to try and get one of these top seeds. What do you think of this proposal? Do you think it's fairer than the system we already have? Listen, I'm not feeling too sad for Notre Dame because, one, you can't dabble in our conference and then expect to get rewarded. I mean, you tried. You tried in the college football playoff last season, but it didn't quite work out for you. So, you know, I'm not wiping any tears away for Notre Dame. But also, like, I think it's just an honest assessment of where we are. Um, with the whole sport of college football, it's time that people just find homes and let's just move on from there. But yeah, I, I think it's definitely challenging, but it definitely has a, all right, put up or shut up for a lot of these independent schools. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about because it's not just Notre Dame. I mean, for a long time, Boise State was fighting to get into the mix. We might get uh, a Memphis if they have a monster season. Some of these other teams that were going, hey, let's see them against these other teams. How much do you think it would actually affect you know, who wins the college football playoff? See, I don't think it'll affect that much. I really truly believe that they're doing all of this for the G5 schools to give them opportunity to be in the conversation. So we can either A, expose them and say, okay, you've cried all this time to try and get into the college football playoff. (laughs) It didn't work out. This is why you're not getting picked. Or it really shakes things up because we know we love some controversy and and having all things go a wire and we love everybody upsets and what have you. And it'll work out great. And we could just include those kind of teams moving forward. So I think independent schools were not even a thought, you know, to be honest, clearly, as they've you know shown with the kind of ramifications that would come from a 12 a team college football playoff expansion. But again, I think everybody was thinking, okay, here we are with the G5 situation. It's time we stop having the same four teams just based off politics, really. Well, especially when we know who is probably going to win. It's going to be one of right. those four teams, but every once in a while we get Boise State beating Oklahoma or something like that. And when we know Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, one of those teams is probably going to win Clemson. Uh <laughs> you're 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 adding some excitement to your system and i think that's a great thing for college football no doubt and it gives teams like cincinnati and coastal carolina guys that were on the cusp with texas a&m an opportunity to say hey yeah we have to go up against alabama every year but we had one of the stronger showings and unfortunately we're in the same conference and we're not put in a position to really you know put up or shut up yet again so I think it's all around going to be a great opportunity. I We were talking about this on Locked on ACC that it may have been better off just to have eight and see how it goes, but I'm certainly fine with 12. But a good point that I was uh, reading tweets all day, and one that Bamani Jones said was at the end of the day, 
we're just really amplifying still unpaid labor. So that's the big <laughs> crux of it all that we still should be talking about in an unfortunate, like, yeah, we're making this all seem, oh my gosh, it's gonna be so great. So many more opportunities to make money, but who does it really you know, make money for? What can Major League Baseball actually do about pitchers using sticky stuff? Our key of the day is next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And they sent us this new flavor, Grasshopper Cookie. And I just, I'm freaked out a little bit because I am from the Midwest. Grasshopper cocktails are a thing that we love there. Grasshopper pie. And my favorite flavor at my favorite ice cream place is their flavor of the day when it is grasshopper fudge. These things are unbelievable. They have these limited edition flavors all the time. They almost always sell out. Go check out Built Bar. And right now, if you need an incentive to do it for the first time, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off that first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 100% chocolate, and yet we're talking about high fiber, high protein, low carb, low sugar, everything you want in a protein bar. And guess what? Now you can get it for cheaper with the promo code LOCK15. Gets you 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the Day. Pitchers have been pushing the lines of acceptable line pushing for a long time when it comes to trying to increase their spin rate, trying to get the ball to move just that little bit more. And this has become a huge topic lately, if for no other reason than someone like star player Garrett Cole is asked about it and doesn't have a great answer for it. So let's see if my next guest joining me now from Locked on Yankees, Stacey Gatsoulias, has a better answer. Stacy. how do you solve a problem like this? Because it's not like pine tar where you can go to the cap and you can see the guy that's got the pine tar on his cap. It's not that kind of thing. Right. Or inside of his wrist or, you know, I remember there was one game, Kenny Rogers in the playoffs. Can't remember what year it was, but it was obvious he had something on his wrist. I think that they should make it so there's something they all can use that's maybe a little better than pine tar, but keep it an even playing field so all the pitchers can use it. Because I think what Pete Alonzo of the Mets said was pretty smart, where you would rather these guys use sticky stuff in a way because these guys are throwing so much harder and so much faster now. You know, you see guys that are hitting 97, 98 on the regular compared to even five, 10 years ago. And I, if I were a baseball player, I would much rather know that a guy is using something that everyone else is using and that it might save me from getting bashed in the face like Kevin Pillar. <laughs> so, I mean, if they can do something like that, where they even the playing field, I think it would be okay. This is something that that uh, I've been making this case with with a lot of different kinds of PEDs in baseball for a long time. Have some things be acceptable and let them be regulated so that guys aren't going to these shady back alley doctors to get, you know, whatever designer chemicals that they're, that they're making in in their garbage out back. Like you want to keep the players safe too, and and especially you know something like this if it can reduce blisters on fingers because you're not relying on grip strength, stuff like that. It just seems like 
there there is so many upsides to just saying, all right, this is how this is going to work. But the problem is, how do you regulate this? Even if they say that, then how do you regulate it? As you said, with the blisters, the grip, I mean, you know, Alonzo also said, why isn't anyone calling MLB out for changing the balls constantly? And what are these pitchers supposed to do? Because Masahiro Tanaka complained last year that the seams felt different to him and it was screwing up his splitter. And I know other pitchers were also complaining about similar things with the differences in the balls. So, of course, some of these guys are going to be using the sticky stuff because if you can't get the right grip on a ball, you're going to have to go to something else to do it. Um, But I agree with you on the PED thing. I mean, I think baseball would be so much more fun if they could allow some regulated PEDs to help because then you'd have guys not being injured for so long because, you know, when the PED thing happened and I'll never forget this because it was the funniest thing ever. Michael Kay mentioned when Johnny Damon made it to the Yankees, this is the first time Johnny Damon's been on the DL in 10 years. And I'm like, Hmm, I wonder why that is. That's so strange. Hmm. You know, it's 2006 now and all this stuff is being regulated, but Oh yeah, all these guys are going on the DL and they're getting all these strange tendon injuries that never used to happen. And Oh yeah. So (laughs) I just think it's I just think it's amusing. I think MLB's response to it is amusing because they always let things slide. And then all of a sudden an article will come out and it's, oh, it's the worst thing ever. And finally, Utah Jazz guard Jordan Clarkson saw the photo of a hateful racial slur spray painted all over a well-known Filipino food truck in Utah on social media and was overcome with emotion. The slur was accompanied by an offensive image of a face with slanted eyes on the side of the world-famous Yum Yum food truck last weekend. The 29-year-old Clarkson was one of many, including local politicians and businesses, who paid for interior cleaning and detailing. Clarkson also offered the owners, Ben and Aaron Pierce, significant financial support to get the truck back up and running. Now that you've got the news, go make some money. Listen to Locked on Bets. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on Monday, will Phoenix sweep the Nuggets? Find out if they have to get the brooms. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.